0: I'm Carol Speakerman, and this is Speakerman Speaks Retail, presented by Market Scale. Hey everyone, it's Carol, and welcome to Episode 19 of Speakerman Speaks Retail, and our first episode of 2021. I want to wish everyone a Happy New Year, and thank you for your support of the podcast in 2020. Now, for those of you that are tuning in for the first time, I help all kinds of retail-focused companies land big B2B programs. Through my platform positioning workshops and consulting that's backed up by my repeatable, scalable positioning process. And I also speak on my latest retail trajectories. These are themes that connect what's really happening across all kinds of retail categories, borders, business models, and touch points. If the normal laws of retail applied, this would be about the time that we'd look back on 2020 and decide what to keep, tweak, or toss. But of course, 2020 was no normal year, and 2021 doesn't look like it's shaping up to be one either. 2020 was chock full of retail anomalies and catastrophes, but there were also pockets of prosperity, because for every struggling JCPenney, there was a tractor supply or a Best Buy that was showing everyone how to weather the storms. So it wasn't all gloom and doom, and those that made it through emerged even stronger as they strained the limits of what's possible during some very difficult times. This was true on the supplier side as well. You guys did a great job of pivoting on a dime. You shifted your category priorities, your brand plans, your communication strategies, and your service portfolios. And after spending plenty of time in the center of the action with you, I know it wasn't easy. But I can tell you this, your agility and courage made a real difference. It made a difference to your employees, to your shareholders, your partners, and even just to retail's future as a whole. But as we hurl past one of the most disruptive years in retail history, and before we get too far into the promise of a new chapter, I'm dedicating this episode to eight retail resolutions for 2021. I chose these resolutions because they have implications and applications for all the diverse retail stakeholders that listen to this podcast. We're going to pull in some of my top retail trajectories along the way and give a few shout outs to those that are already putting these resolutions to work and that serve as a real example on how to implement them. So get ready to jot them down and let's get to it. Retail resolution number one is I will offer options and be a champion of choice. If we learned anything in 2020, it's that attempting to corral shoppers into options that are easier or more profitable for retailers just isn't going to cut it. Now, Walmart is an example of a retailer that really took the lead here, and others have wisely followed their example. Walmart continually added new convenience options. They were improving in-store and e-commerce capabilities, layering on services and solutions, and basically giving shoppers very few excuses to jump off the Walmart platform. That's going to be the name of the game going into 2021. Choice and convenience. And that's going to be true even in a post COVID-19 world. The same holds true for suppliers, though. The ones that I've seen be the most successful this year also offered options to their partners and to retailers. And it only makes sense that as retailers are bringing on the options to the consumers, they want you to do the same for them. This can translate into bringing brand options, whether you provide products or services. But it definitely means offering options of investment and purpose, bringing smaller focused programs that attack specific goals and problems alongside those big wins. But let's be clear, offering options means deciding on what those options are in advance, not leaving things open-ended and expecting your prospects and customers to choose off a menu, or heaven forbid, encouraging them to deconstruct your stuff. Presenting options at the end of the day means having a point of view. Resolution number two is, I will walk the talk. This one is really simple, but not so easy to accomplish. Because in 2020, consumers were disappointed, confused, and generally left hanging all over the place. Now, this was particularly true as the holiday crush came calling and all those delivery companies got maxed out. So much of that was unavoidable, no doubt about it. But retailers that expected shoppers to play guessing games really dropped the ball. 2020 taught everyone, suppliers included, that honesty and reliability have never counted more. In 2021, be proactive and over-communicate the truth to your customers, your prospects, your partners, and your employees. And that tees up resolution number three. I will communicate clearly, concisely, and consistently. Retailers have come a really long way here because they've got the tools to do it. They've got chatbots, texting, call centers, and just good old-fashioned let me speak to the manager help in the stores to guide customers and address their concerns. But here too, choice is key. That means being available wherever consumers are engaging with you, rather than expecting them to run a gauntlet and hunt you down. But either way, confusion is looming in 2021 for everyone as retailers add all these options that we've just talked about. As they add services and solutions, mobile upgrades, loyalty program tweaks, as they bundle all of these services and new business models, Clearly communicating the value of these options, how they're implemented, and how customers can navigate through them, and just driving awareness for all this new stuff is going to be a real challenge, because if shoppers can't figure out what you're doing and how it benefits them, you might as well not be doing it at all. Now, switching to the supplier side, streamlining communication with retailers and other partners is critical because of all this potential overwhelm. As retailers' worlds get bigger and more complex as they offer more choices to consumers, whatever you supply to retailers becomes a smaller and smaller part of their worlds. Act accordingly and know your place. One of my clients is troubleshooted on this by implementing what they call a single point of contact rule. They don't allow any good cop, bad cop games, and these chain of command escalations are a rarity. That's because they've empowered their team members to make decisions and to creatively solve problems and to do it really quickly. And it's working. They have several supplier awards to prove it. Resolution number four is, I will ditch my delusions of brander. This is a term that I coined years ago, and it's never been more relevant. Delusions of brander, with a B, is a dangerous condition that rises up when you overestimate brand value. This one is tough for a lot of folks to hear because so many are still living in the near past when brands that even had a modicum of recognition or a halo of awareness were still considered to be viable and valuable. Now you've got Amazon churning out private brands at warp speed across a crazy number of categories and piling on all kinds of no-name brands on top of it through third-party sellers on their marketplace. This and other brand saturation dynamics are impacting the entire industry. Now, on the retailer side, that means that there's a big question that needs to be asked and answered. Retailers like Macy's and JCPenney are grappling with it, whether they know it or not. Am I really a brand or am I a place that sells brands? If you're a place that sells brands in 2021, you're going to be really vulnerable in this environment. Target's an example of a retailer that's getting this right. Last year, Target not only engineered an impressive turnaround, but they did it while navigating COVID-19. Target's stock performance actually outshined Amazon and Walmart. Target proved that the Target brand still means something. And most importantly, Target finally stepped out and started making multiple moves proactively in service to keeping its brand relevant. That's why it's been able to lure other brands and retailers like Ulta to its platform. Ulta knows that they're partnering with a company that has a strong brand in its own right. So the partnership is built on brand synergy, not just on distribution and scale. Walmart's done the same thing in different ways. They've continually added value to reinforce their long-standing stance on customer centricity. Walmart's brand promise is the same, but Walmart continues to proactively evolve the means of delivering on that promise. The same applies on the supplier side, and portfolio companies like Newell Rubbermaid are doing something about it. They implemented major internal restructurings to ensure that they don't just become a place that has brands, even though they've got lots of them, everything from Calphalon to Crazy Glue. But now Newell Rubbermaid is laser focused on ensuring that they're not just operating a stable of names and logos, but that their brands receive dedicated attention. They're ensuring that these brands are on a growth trajectory that makes sense for each individual brand. Know your value and don't assume that brand equity from the past automatically carries forward. It takes work and constant reinvention now more than ever. And be really careful about hinging your 2021 growth on doing business with places that just have brands. Retail resolution number five is, I will lean into platform leverage. That means your leverage and others' platform leverage. And here's another area where Amazon, Walmart, and Target really have earned their place as the big three, because they're not operating just as places that sell stuff, they're operating as platforms. And their platforms now include content, services, solutions, data, partnerships, acquisitions, new business models, and more. In episode 14, I talked about how retail's new rule is diversify or die. Platform building is the engine behind the diversification. So this is why platform positioning and platform leverage are so fundamental to all the work that I do. When you look at your business from a platform perspective, everything changes for the better on several fronts. You're owning your full value. You can go wider and deeper with your customer relationships as you connect your platform assets to theirs. You're positioning to others' platforms and forging platform partnerships, not just selling stuff and watching the competition. You stop thinking about everybody being the competition because they might fill a gap in your platform or maybe you can do the same for them. And that seeks into resolution number six. I will keep my frenemies close. I've been talking about the rise in what I call frenemy forays in retail for years, and it's become an evergreen trajectory. Because whether it's retailers forging partnerships with one another, like Kroger and Walgreens or Kohl's and Amazon, or independent retailers that are teaming up with one another in their local markets, those who play well with others are going to emerge as the real winners. This can also be suppliers consolidating and connecting with one another to build their platform leverage, or any number of retail solution providers and consultants collaborating on projects. Now, this is something I've been an advocate for for a long time, and I've actively participated in for years. And many of my clients, particularly solution providers like merchandising companies, digital agencies, and print providers, they've worked together behind the scenes, in some cases even white labeling their services for their competitors. So the question is, how will you get creative with your frenemy forays in 2021? Resolution number seven is... I refuse to play scattergories. In my kickoff episode for 2020, I took on the explosion of online marketplaces, and specifically what I call marketplace mayhem. On the plus side, getting into the marketplace business has allowed retailers to monetize their digital platforms. Through third-party sellers, retailers have been able to basically collect digital rent. And through the corona crisis, marketplaces have been a lifeline extension of their e-commerce platforms, a way to pump up the volume while shoppers are staying out of stores. Through third-party sellers, retailers can diversify into all kinds of new categories practically overnight. And marketplace-enabled category expansion is an important hedge for category killers. Why do they need the hedge? Well, you look at Blockbuster, Borders, Payless, the list of category killer fatalities just in the last few years has really been staggering. Marketplaces have been a quick solve for this lack of category diversity that has left some of these retailers vulnerable. That's the logic behind marketplace participation, but here's where the mayhem kicks in. Because if everybody's carrying all kinds of random categories, then no one stands for anything, and then it's a race to the bottom on price. I call this playing scattergories, and it's a dangerous game. Multi-category powerhouses like Amazon and Walmart can place categories with relative impunity. Brand marketers that sell on these platforms have to know that they're going to be selling in a space that's growing more crowded by the minute, and you have to adjust your expectations accordingly. Retailers with more defined category focuses, like Best Buy, for example, they've wisely bowed out of this categories game to ensure that things don't get too out of hand and that the categories that they carry are supporting the Best Buy premise, even as that premise expands to include categories like health and wellness. We're not talking about eliminating logical brand extensions like health and wellness for Best Buy, but selling everything but the kitchen sink on a marketplace is going to become a perilous path. This also applies to brand marketers, licensors, and licensees as well, those of you in the intellectual property world. Overexpansion and random category grabs really should be a thing of the past. Too many of these companies have played scattergories only to have to circle back later and clean it all up. It's much better to maintain that tighter focus right from the start, and it's even more relevant going into 2021. And that brings us to our final resolution. I will be a resource. Sounds simple enough, right? But let's talk about what it really means. Being a resource means that you're prioritizing providing value to your customers, partners, prospects, and the industries that you operate in. This can be a tough order when business is in a dip. It's so tempting to resort to heavy-handed marketing and sales pitches. Restraint and redirection can even feel scary in this environment but I can tell you inevitably it pays off. For retailers, this means putting high value services and solutions right in front of the customer. Things like store navigation on your mobile app and also offering helpful how-to content on your website. Actions that don't directly pitch products or services, but that go a long way toward messaging your intentions to help shoppers accomplish what really matters to them. For suppliers of products, solutions, and services, this can mean providing pitch-free thought leadership to your customers in the industry. This is a great opportunity when major industry events are being canceled or pared back, and those pitchy pay-to-play events are really losing their appeal overall. Think about how you can offer research and share data that benefits others in the industry. How can you provide training opportunities through trade associations or by hosting your own pitch-free conferences? I've had the pleasure of collaborating with companies on these types of events, and I've been so impressed with this genuine intention to provide value above all else. It really is a trend at this point, and it's gonna carry well into 2021. When you focus on providing value above all else, other things tend to take care of themselves. That's been my philosophy and my presentations and trainings, holding nothing back, helping, ditching the pitch. I can tell you that people appreciate it, they remember it, And they reward it. I'm wishing you every success in 2021 and know that I'll do everything I can to be a resource to you. Let me know how I can help you with your retail positioning strategy and events. You can ping me at Carol at SpeakermanRetail.com or hit my site at SpeakermanRetail.com to check out more insights, subscribe to my updates, and get the latest on some exciting events that I've got planned and that I'm participating in for 2021. Thank you so much for listening in today and Happy New Year.